Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 742 for release on Sunday, May 14th, 2023. On WaveScan today, Iceland on Longwave, Wandering the World with a Radio, Part 3, and our Philippine DX report from Henry Umarai. Iceland, the land of fire and ice, is a lonely island perched way up high in the North Atlantic towards the Arctic Circle. It's a fascinating island of remarkable contrasts, such as hot pools lying in a snow-covered landscape and barren lava tundras lying next to verdant sheep farms. Here's Ray Robinson with Iceland on Longwave. Hi Jeff. Yes, the long cold winter brings its storms and snow and the long bright summer brings in hordes of wandering tourists who want to experience the wonders of an island with such sharp contrasts. You can visit modern cities with up-to-date amenities and you can drive a comfortable wagon out into the barren areas of huge glaciers. You can swim in an exotic warm blue lake with vistas of snow-covered mountains in the distance, and you can shop for the latest European and American products in a modern shopping mall. Iceland, named in the original Viking language for its ice-covered landscapes, is just 300 miles long and 200 miles wide. It has the world's largest concentration of volcanoes and glaciers, and it's frequently shaken by mild earthquakes. Occasionally, a new volcano will give birth to a new island, and winter storms will sometimes wash away the remainders of an old volcanic island. Iceland was settled 1,100 years ago by seafarers from Norway, who brought their Irish slaves with them. Early explorers from Iceland also visited Greenland, and they established the first European settlement in North America a 1,000 years ago. The island has been ruled by both Norway and Denmark, and they exerted their independence in 1944. The language of the people in Iceland is Icelandic, an old form of the original Viking language, though literally everybody also speaks English. Their colourful postage stamps, issued in limited quantities, are very popular with stamp collectors. Because Iceland is a maritime nation, spark wireless stations were established very early. The main station was installed in the capital city, Reykjavik, soon after the end of World War I, and it was identified as TFA. Subsequent stations were identified as TFB, TFC, and so on, down through the letters of the English alphabet. The first radio broadcasting service in Iceland was established in Reykjavik, the national capital city, in 1926. That privately operated historic radio station emitted 500 watts on 700 kilohertz. By Act of Parliament, the Icelandic State Broadcasting Service was established in 1930, and the studios and offices of the new government radio station were installed on the fourth and fifth floors of the telephone building. That station, also identified as TFA, commenced a regular schedule of just two hours daily on December 20th, 1930. It was a long-wave station radiating 21 kilowatts on 250 kilohertz. 
a subsequent 100 kilowatt long wave transmitter was installed in 1935. In the early days of their radio broadcasting service, the ISBS was on the air with programming and lessons in five languages Icelandic, English, Danish, German, and Esperanto, though the Esperanto programming was discontinued some three years later. In order to provide radio coverage to all of the isolated cities, towns and villages, the ISBS was on the air for almost a century with two major high-powered long-wave transmitters, which incidentally provided a very high quality of sound reproduction. One was for the eastern side of the island and the other for the west, which are separated by a central volcanic plateau ringed by mountains nearly 7,000 feet tall. The reason for not attempting to obtain nationwide radio coverage on medium wave was because there were so many high-powered medium wave radio stations in Europe, and their signals at night time cluttered the medium wave band in Iceland with a mass of interference. The East Coast long wave transmitter was closed on January 27th, just earlier this year, 2023, and the tower was felled on Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. You can view the dramatic event on the internet. We'll have more about the radio scene in Iceland in a future edition of Wavescan. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. We have a correction to an item we brought you two weeks ago on WaveScan. We mentioned that Encompass Digital Media was broadcasting Agricultural Voices Syria at 0300-0330 UTC on the HFCC International Radio for Disaster Relief Frequency of 11840 kHz on weekdays from April 24th until May 5th. 
The transmitter site used was actually Dubaiya in the United Arab Emirates. IRDR frequencies are reserved for temporary usage for programming related to disaster areas, in this case to the northwestern area of Syria, which was seriously devastated during recent earthquakes. Agriculture Voices Syria was transmitting special programming educating farmers on how to grow and manage crops within the disaster zone. Joseph Jacobs sends an item from All India Radio telling us that Prime Minister Narendra Modi has inaugurated many new FM transmitters to boost radio connectivity in the country. Here's a recording of an All India Radio newscast on April 28th. Good afternoon. This is All India Radio and I am Abhishek Mukhopadhyay with the Midday News. In a huge step towards inclusive communication, Prime Minister Narendra Modi today inaugurated 91 FM transmitters of All India Radio through video conferencing to enhance coverage in aspirational districts and border areas. These transmitters have been installed across 18 states and two union territories. Speaking on the occasion, Mr. Modi said the launch of 91 FM transmitters of All India Radio is a gift to two crore people of 85 districts of the country. Today, All India Radio FM service ka expansion, All India FM banne ki disha mein ek bada aur mahatvapun kadam hai. The Prime Minister asserted that Digital India has given new listeners to radio through online FMs and podcasts, and also a new thought process. Mr. Modi underlined that infotainment through FM has a lot of value. Prime Minister Modi said he is soon going to host the 100th episode of the Man Ki Baat program on AIR. He said his deep connection with people all across the nation would not have been possible through any other medium than the radio. Speaking at the event, Information and Broadcasting Minister Anurag Singh Thakur said the Man Ki Baat program has increased the popularity of radio. आपके मन की बात ने सबके मन को छुआ भी है दिल को छुआ है और उन लोगों की उपलब्धियों को भी जन-जन तक पहुंचाने का काम किया है मिनिस्टर ऑफ स्टेट फॉर इंफॉर्मेशन एंड ब्रॉडकास्टिंग डॉ एल मुरुगन उत्तराखंड चीफ मिनिस्टर पुष्कर सिंह धामी महाराष्ट्र चीफ मिनिस्टर एकनाथ शिंदे यूनियन मिनिस्टर पीयूष गोयल सेक्रेटरी ऑफ इंफॉर्मेशन एंड ब्रॉडकास्टिंग अपूर्व चंद्रा एंड अदर्स जॉइन द इवेंट एंड विद दैट वी एंड द मिड डे न्यूज़ That was news from All India Radio about 91 new FM transmitters in the country. By the way, Joe Jacobs sent us a picture from Alakesh Gupta of a new Indian stamp that's been issued to commemorate the 100th edition of Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Man Ki Baat radio program. And this late news from Joe, All India Radio has changed its name to Akashvani. On May 3rd, he heard the Home Service news in English with the new name. This is Akash Mani, the news read by Saira Bujtaba. The political atmosphere in Karnataka ahead of the May 10 assembly election has heated up. Akashvani is the local name of All India Radio. From now on, Akashvani will be used to identify All India Radio in all languages and dialects. And now part three of Adrian Peterson's Wandering the World with a Radio. This part is early communication wireless stations in Australia. The first coastal wireless station in Australia was established on the sixth floor of Australia's most luxurious hotel. 
the 10-year-old Australia Hotel on Castlereagh Street in Sydney. That early wireless station was a temporary facility with the monumental call sign AAA, which was issued by the PMG Department on August 27, 1910. Ray Robinson has Adrian's story. Yes, Jeff, the low-power Telefunken equipment for station AAA was installed in a room immediately beneath the antenna system, which was erected on the rooftop of the hotel. Initially, the station was in experimental usage only, though one year later, from June 3, 1911 onwards, the PMG department gave approval for AAA to communicate with shipping as a temporary coastal wireless station. After just two years of on-air service, communication station AAA was closed in favour of a new AWA station at Pennant Hills. The AAA transmitter equipment was removed from the Australia Hotel and reinstalled at the factory of Australasian Wireless on Underwood Street, where it was granted a new call sign, ATY. Around the same time, another temporary coastal wireless station was licensed for installation in Melbourne, and it was intended for communication with shipping in the coastal waters off the southern state of Victoria. The temporary PMG licence approved the installation of that station with a similar call sign, AAM, in the Grand Hotel Menzies, which was built at the corner of Bourke and William Streets in downtown Melbourne in 1867. The Menzies family migrated from Scotland to Australia in 1853 and they shared the same heritage as Australia's illustrious Prime Minister of a century later, Sir Robert Menzies. Radio documents from the Telefunken Company during that era inform us that the transmitters for both AAA in Sydney and AAM in Melbourne were rated at 1.5 kilowatts each and that they operated for communication with nearby shipping on 500 kilohertz. During the year 1912, the AWA company in Australia, which was similar to RCA in the United States, constructed a total of six coastal wireless stations, one in each state capital city. Initially, the call sign for each station began with the two letters PO, indicating Post Office, the Federal Licence Issuing Agency. Then followed another letter, which was the first letter of the station location, the state capital city and thus POM for Melbourne, Victoria, the first station in the 1912 network, and POA for Adelaide, the last network station installed during the year 1912. Station POM in Melbourne, Victoria, as the first, was installed in a new facility on Domain Road, just a little south of the main city area and the Yarra River. In 1926, coastal station POM-VIM was transferred into the AWA shortwave station at Braybrook, along with the already installed 3LO medium wave and VK3ME shortwave. Next in 1912 came POH on a hilltop in the Queen's Domain on the waterfront in Hobart, Tasmania, followed by POS at the very new and subsequently very large AWA Pennant Hill Station in outer suburban Sydney. That was followed by POB at Pinkemba, Brisbane, and then by POP at Applecross in Perth, Western Australia. The final coastal wireless station that was inaugurated during the year 1912, actually on October the 1st, was POA at outer suburban Rosewater in Adelaide, South Australia. 
All subsequent coastal wireless stations were identified with a new callsign series beginning with the two letters VI, such as, for example, VII on Thursday Island, North Queensland, which was taken into service on February 26, 1913. In addition, all of the stations with the previous callsigns in the PO series were allocated new callsigns in the VI series. Back during that era, all of the coastal stations made experimental speech and music broadcasts and they also radiated time signals for the benefit of passing shipping and on subsequent occasions they also broadcast bulletins of weather information. In the early 1920s, these programme broadcasts were made on long-wave channels though subsequently medium-wave and then lower-frequency short-wave bands were in use. The Melbourne station VIM was noted over a period of time with probably more broadcast programming than any of the other coastal stations. In July 1922, for example, station VIM was noted by international radio monitors of that era with occasional broadcasts of recorded music. In an endeavour to impress the Prime Minister of Australia, Mr Billy Hughes, station VIM broadcast a speech he made in the town hall in the regional city of Bendigo in Victoria. There was no landline capability at that time back in the year 1922, so a temporary transmitter was installed in the town hall and a receiver in Melbourne picked up the speech and rebroadcast it over the coastal communication station VIM. On another occasion, during the same year, Prime Minister Hughes was making a sea voyage from Melbourne to Sydney on board the SS Karula. Station VIM made a special broadcast to the Prime Minister on board the ship, with farewell messages from his wife Mary and their six-year-old daughter Helen. It was in that same year, 1922, that Station VIM conducted Morse code test broadcasts on behalf of the Metropolitan Police in Melbourne as a preliminary to establishing a police radio system. During the year 1925, stations VIS, Sydney, VIP, Perth and VID, Darwin introduced a wireless news service for shipping in Morse code, and in 1928, VIS began the broadcast twice daily of weather bulletins. For the benefit of shipping and incoming aircraft, there was the relay of time signals from the nearest ABC medium wave station. In 1943, for example, station VIB in Brisbane introduced the broadcast twice daily of time signals from the Brisbane-based ABC medium wave network. On several notable occasions, the shortwave transmitter at POA VIA in Rosewater, Adelaide, relayed programming from 5CL Adelaide for rebroadcast from 3LO in Melbourne. And then there were notable occasions when a special program from 3LO in Melbourne was carried on shortwave by VIM in Melbourne so that 5CL in Adelaide could rebroadcast the event. On a few occasions during World War II, Adrian Peterson remembers his father driving him in his trusty Model A Ford, at Adrian's request, to take a look at coastal radio station VIA in suburban Rosewater. As a security matter, they weren't permitted to visit inside the station, though he says to make a visit just to see the station was indeed an enthrallment. Back then, station VIA was QSLing reception reports by letter. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray. And finally on WaveScan today, here's Henry Umarhai with the Philippine DX Report. 
Hello everyone to all our dear shortwave listeners wherever you are welcome to the May 14th edition of the Philippine DXS report number 194 I'm Henry Umada in Bacolod City Negros Occidental Central Philippines glad to be back and thank you for listening I would like to thank our DXR friends for sending the reception report most recently Mr. Richard Lemke in Alberta Canada Mr. Pranab Kumaray in West Bengal India and Mr. John Zachary Alvarez in Cavite here in the Philippines. To all of you, thank you very much. Reception logs for April 2023. April 2, Voice of America on 12.030 in English from Tinang at 11.53 SIO444. April 2, China Radio International on 9785 in Thai from Kuninganing at 11.50 SIO555. April 9, FABC Radio on 9795 in Vietnamese from Iba at 11.23 SIO433. April 9, KBS World Radio on 9770 in Chinese from Kim J at 11.49 SIO433. April 9, China Radio International on 11.955 in Filipino from Kunming Aning at 11.46 SIO333. April 23, Radio Taiwan International on 9.740 in Japanese from Pauchong at 11.21 SIO555. April 23, KTWR Transworld Radio on 11.965 in English from Marisol at 10.24 SIO555. April 23, BBC World Service on 15.310 in Pasto from Alcila at 11.07 SIO555 April 23 and Radio Japan on 9.750 in Japanese from Miyamata at 11.22 SIO4 April 30 New Life Station KNLS on 9.695 English from Anchor Point at 0.838 SIO555 April 30 RTMY Limbang FM on 11.65 in Malayalam from Kajang at 0.30 SIO 444 April 30 Voice of Korea on 13.760 in Russian from Kujang at 0.808 SIO 433 April 30 China Radio International on 12.070 in Filipino from Shenyang at 11.44 SIO 555 April 30 Voice of China on 9500 in Chinese from Si Jashuang at 0834 SIO 444 and April 30 KBS World Radio 9770 in Chinese from Kim Chai at 1149 SIO 433 Short comments, suggestions, reception logs and informations to PilipinasDX at gmail.com That's P-I-L-I-P-I N-A-S-D-X for PilipinasDX at gmail.com This has been Henry Umaday for Wavescan in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central, Philippines ay mabuhay at maraming salamat po. And to end wave scan today, we have the Australian Haydn Ensemble. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the radio scene on Kwajalein Island in the Western Pacific. And our Bangladesh DX report. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam. AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, 
WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in California, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.